Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh my goodness, and Elliot, we're back with some more animation. Yes, you we gotta are. have like a big, like exciting intro when it's like animation episode of Film Detectives. <laughs> Uh, cue the Hans Zimmer cues now, right? <laughs> so today, guys, we're going to talk about Hayao Miyazaki's two great masterpieces, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, and also The Wind Rises, uh, his very la supposedly last film that he was going to retire on, but actually he's back and directing again. I uh, found that out. He actually just directed a film in 2016. How do you live? Which I actually have to still have to see. But The Wind Rises is kind of like his swan song to end his career sort of and thing. It's and it's this homage to Jiro Hirokoshi, who designed the Japanese Zero airplane during World, World War II. II. Yeah. No. So a little bit of backstory with Hayao Miyazaki. So he was born in 1941. So he kind of came from that era of the post-war directors that were born after or during World War II and then grew up during the war and then were influenced by how that war affected every, pretty much everyone's lives at the time. Yeah especially you see it in The Wind Rises, definitely heavily influenced by how the war affected Japan itself, having to go through a war with several major nations, America, the Netherlands, and also being a pretty much like a prisoner of war in a way to the aftermath of what happened in World War II after the nuclear bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. So, and it's interesting because Japan's films, a lot of films that come out of Japan post-war and up to now are really, they, they really have this uh, theme of being afraid of the post-apocalyptic, what is the worst case scenario? Because they've lived through having two atomic bombs dropped on their cities and mm -hmm. it shows in their artwork. It shows in their films. And I think Miyazaki's just channeling a lot of that fear that came along with that. And also not knowing what the next day holds. Well, even in, you know, Nausicaa, this first, his first film on the Valley of the wind or, you know, early films, you see the whole effect of it's more, much more, you know, on the nose in the wind rises because it's literally about yeah. building the Japanese zeros for world war two. Mm -hmm. But even in Nashika, you have, you know, the ohms who are basically, you know, inhabiting an area and these people come in and are like, Oh, they're bad. Let's destroy them type mm -hmm. of thing. So you still have that, that sense of like, you know, war and peace. And a big thing he really focuses on, I feel like is the environment. And he's an environmentalist because he's really saying in that film, like, why can't we just leave nature alone? Right. Because or anything we touch is, yeah. When we touch it as human beings, and you could say that for, you know, the current world we live in, we destroy. Yeah. We're a destructive species. Human beings are very destructive, especially with the world. As Agent Smith said, we're, you're like a virus. <laughs> we just consume everything. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, yeah, we are a very destructive race. And there's very few voices in this particular, uh, <laughs> you know, hum human race that like really are proponents for coexisting with nature and, and learning to live with uh, what's around you and and work and live off the land and that kind of 
also stems from, I, I believe, like with Miyazaki, it really stems from the Japanese culture, from Shintoism and Buddhism being already heavily, deeply rooted in this culture itself. And then he's just channeling that through his own films. And because he, he at heart, Miyazaki is a pacifist. He's an environmentalist. He's a feminist. He, you know, his films deal with love, family themes that really are important to him and then come through his work. Because, I mean, we see it in Princess Mononoke. We see it in Castle in the Sky. We see it in Spirited Away, uh, like pretty much every film. Nausicaa kind of starts it, even though he started with the in 1979, he did directed um, his first film, The Castle. Uh, yeah, The Castle of Cagli. I'm going to probably butcher the name. <laughs> Cagliostro. Yeah. The Castle of Cagliostro. I would like to buy a vowel. Yes. Please give me a vowel here. Uh, solve the puzzle. <laughs> but that was his first film. And then he d went on to direct Nausicaa. Nausicaa is, I really think him really developing the Miyazaki style. Style. Yeah. Because he really has a stylistic vision to his films in that yeah. he has, they somehow center around humans coexisting with nature in some mm -hmm. capacity or learning to coexist with each other. There's also an industrial complex that kind of crops up to where there's a certain culture or people that end up being like the opposing force and will uh, try to destroy what has been set to be like a beautiful cohabitation between humans and nature. And then there's some force that comes in and destroys that connection. And, and a great example of that is at the end of the film, when they're having the giant battle scene mm -hmm. with the ohms, they, you know, try, they're trying to resurrect that one being and yeah. they do it way too early. Right. And that's something, you know, we, we as a, especially now as a human race, don't like to wait for anything. We're yeah. always, you know, like wanting it now. And, and that's, this was back in 1984. Yeah. And here you have, and Miyazaki's in the film, it's like, warning yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't rush, you know, and it also kind of goes in with nature too, right? Like nature is a thing that takes place over many years and it's a beautiful thing like you think about the seasons and things like that they're never rushed they're always on that certain timetable that you know the fall happens in that set amount of months you the tree, trees lose all their leaves and then you have the new you know the the seeds and everything get spread around uh what is that that's not pollination germination is germination. What it's called, right? <laughs> germination yeah, yeah. Pollination is the other one yeah so you have the germination and then you have the spring where the new growth happens yeah and that's that that's the beauty of nature it yeah. takes time for things to develop and create they don't just happen like you know uh, in a night a tree doesn't just sprout up and become a redwood in one night the like pretty much humanity tries to hasten that time table and they want change to happen immediately and, yeah, and that's what he's really you know that's one of the biggest things he's saying in the film i feel like is because they're all like we're going to get this 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 you know giant creature that was once there and we're going to let it out but we let it out way too early so it just crumbles and dies right which we do that a lot in in the world with with nature we ruin a lot of things like we've talked about yeah i mean like we're destroying the rainforest right now we're destroying you know we're trying to pollute the the earth as much as we can and and just rip it of its resources and 
you know, if we don't not to get too preachy with this, but, you know, like if you go to a certain point and you keep doing that, it's you're going to end up with nothing on the earth. And yep. you were already kind of seeing that change already with, you know, global warming, the climates have been changing and, you know, we're we're now feeling the effects of that, that meddling that humans have done. So, yeah, I think Miyazaki was always, tr especially all the way back in 1984, you know, he was, it's his way of telling people like, hey, we need to really respect nature and not destroy it. This is back in the 80s too. And here we are in 2021. And that message was, and this is something we you touched on that I think is really cool, that each director we've watched you know, their first film, it seems like they're kind of figuring out their style. And then when we watch another film of theirs, for example, Later The Wind on. Rises, you see how they've, you know, just grown. And, and like you said, you know, he yeah. found his his style, per se. Yeah. His actual. By the time his he actual. Yeah. By the time he gets to The Wind Rises, it's Miyazaki on steroids. And he's literally got all the tools that he needs to create a beautiful animated feature film. I mean, mm -hmm. the animation is some of the best animation I've ever seen. It, it's just it's 2D animation and it, it it's so lifelike. That's the thing is with the Miyazaki, like I told you before, like when we were watching even Nashika, the way Miyazaki draws and animates water is this mm -hmm. very fluid dreamlike quality to it. But in a sense, it feels real. It's a realistic motion that the water in the films that he has directed and animated look that way and he's that's one of his uh archetypes that he has in his films and you see that also in how he does wind even when it comes to the wind rises it's becomes a character unto itself in the wind rises you brought up there's like a flow and emotion to it uh, you know there's a movement and that i think that's a beautiful way to describe his work there's just a there's always motion there's always something happening and it's you know it could be as subtle as the wind blowing you know when the wind rises across the grass and you see the little you know different blades of grass moving with feet and then all the wind or the maybe the clothes are moving or in nausicaa there's like you said the water there's also just moments where you know there's the bugs and stuff flying through the air and you see the little bit of the the you know motion of the wind there and things like that there's just all those little moments that are give so much life to I almost like stagnant picture in a way, right? He's, because he's almost like an alchemist in a way because he's mixing earth, wind and fire and water. The four nations. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you see the influence of where Avatar got a lot of its inspiration from too, because mm -hmm. I mean, like they, a lot of animators draw from Miyazaki. I mean, even feature live action films draw from Miyazaki it's yeah. you know in their framing in their themes or in the way they build their characters and such what I thought was really interesting the on second view actually third or fourth view actually of the wind rises the quote the wind is rising and we must try to live really stood out to me because that pretty much sums up the film and mm -hmm. what the character of Jiro is going through through all the turmoil in his life because he's basically seeing his country crumble and fall and and fall to the war industrial complex and on and, top of that his 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 wife and his wife too deteriorate and deteriorate. just like the country yep exactly which 
in, in a sense, you could even say that's um, an allegory for Mother Nature deteriorating. All that's pure and beautiful that in the character's life, you know, deteriorates and, and, and dies. But the wind keeps going, which I thought was, it's, again, that sense, the wind is almost akin to time itself and the passage of time did you read my notes elliot i, I like, think i, I might have <laughs> I, I think you did because literally what i was going to say is at the very end of the film i don't want to spoil it because yeah. you need to watch it yes but there's the big moment where you know that one person says one thing to the other person and then there's the big credit scene or whatever and we were talking about this last night even with going into video games ghost of tsushima used wind wind like crazy it's you know mm -hmm. it's a game that focuses on the japanese samurai correct Yes. And they use wind to kind of tell the story and wind is very almost like a spiritual thing. And even in The Wind Rises as well. But the wind, like you said, you know, is always going. It's never it's never stopping. Just like mm -hmm. with time and life, we're always moving forward. Yeah. And the wind changes directions, just mm -hmm. like with our life, yep. we change directions all the time. And things happen, you it get blown to this side yeah. or blown to this side, or you're on a nice straight path and all of a sudden a big gust just takes you and moves you to some other part. Exactly. And it's beautiful that the wind is such a central character. Like you said, it's almost like its own character and the wind rises. Yeah. Just adding the wind in pretty much every type of scene where you see there's extra movement, it adds so much more life to the shots and things we're seeing. It makes the film feel more organic and more in touch with the nature aspect of what Miyazaki is trying to portray in this film. I mean, even down to how he does the sound design, Miyazaki in this film chose to pick very organic sound. It almost sounds like people in the studio just doing the sound effects with yeah, their like voice. walking on grass or, you know, walking on the floor. Or yeah. the sound of steam. It was mainly for the sound of the airplanes and the like some steam uh, or some mechanical sounds, a lot of those were, it sounded like someone just vocalizing it, which I thought was a very interesting way to sound design because in a sense, Jiro, it's, it's like a child mentality. When we're kids, we, you know, reenact playing, you know, playing with airplanes, just like, yeah, you know, doing machine gun noises and, you know, but that's what... It, I think he wanted to get that sense of being brought back to your youth when you were you have that innocence and you're and an airplane is just an airplane. It's not a, a machine of death. Absolutely. Because at the end of the film, Jiro is like, I never knew I built those planes for war. Yeah. Like he just wanted to, because he loved he loved airplanes. Yeah. But and he, he loved the up, beauty you know, of it. Yeah. But he ended up creating a monster. Basically. Exactly. Well, look at the guys who signed on to, you know, develop the atomic bomb or rockets. Even the Germans, when they were developing rockets and stuff, Warner von Braun said, you know, I don't care if it, you know, destroyed, uh, killed millions of people. I got to build rockets. And then we ended up tapping the scientists from the Germans after the war, you know, to make our rockets and such. So it's the war industrial war complex is so evident and, and we're still feeling the effects from World War II to this day and mm -hmm. still trying to figure out, you know, the pacifists around the world are still trying to figure out how do we learn to coexist with one another and not have to rely on machinery and 
these basically tools of of war that will mm, weapons kill of mass and, destruction. and weapons of mass destruction that will kill millions of people or can't have the potential to kill millions of people and that's the thing right you know if we ever i hope we never get to that point where we have a war these days of that proportion yeah. of what we had back then because the amount of power we have now that countries have now compared to back then mm-hmm. it's terrifying to think about well okay so two scenes one scene in the wind rises after the earthquake mm. when you see basically the whole sit like the whole city where Jiro is from totally reduced to ash because of the mm-hmm. fires that are, have erupted because of the earthquake that happens in in Tokyo i believe you know it literally decimates that city to the to its like cinder blocks and yeah it, it's a haunting image of what nagasaki and hiroshima were and also what the aftermath of those bombs being dropped on those cities was and then we also see it also in nashika with how it's humanity recovering from a post-apocalyptic event where humanity basically destroyed itself and now is rebuilding itself in like a -hmm. a semi-pseudo medieval middle eastern uh dune-esque uh culture and mythology and with you know uh, some elements taken from Byz- uh, the Byzantine Empire, some Sumerian ideas, like even some Egyptian hieroglyphic themes too. Miyazaki kind of just threw this amalgamation of all these different cultures into what the future would be if you're reducing what we have right now to complete ash, ash. basically. Yeah, you're mentioning the the earthquake scene in The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. I found it very interesting that at the end of the film, we see a very similar scene of the city after, you know, the bombs have hit pretty much. And it's like, what I feel like, you know, he was trying to say is that we have the same amount of power as Mother, like Mother Nature can destroy everything, but we also can do the same thing, like with what we've created. We are trying Trying to to become... yeah, we're tra- basically, yeah. Yeah. They want to play God and toy with people's lives. And mm-hmm. the common person just wants to like live, love and, you know, and exist and, and live, love and laugh. Well, and and co and just coexist with one another and and be on this planet and enjoy mm-hmm. the time we have on this planet. But uh there's the powers that be, they want to just destroy and and in both these films, I think that's the message that Miyazaki's saying is that we need to like really discuss not having these tools that will inevitably at some point destroy us. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the films that came out during the eighties and early nineties in anime, you know, you have ghost in the shell, you have Akira, you had uh, even, and and of course, Nausicaa, they all deal with that post-apocalyptic, what if scenario and they all are a, a warning to either whoever's watching we need to like not ha- let this happen again ever mm-hmm. because it's it <laughs> the uh aftermath is not not pleasant so and, pe- well, and was, millions of people lose their lives you know yeah beautiful souls inter- most definitely it was interesting watching the wind rises and being from america the japanese zeros are looked at as you know one of the most evil things on earth and our and you know in our because of what happened at pearl harbor and everything 
And though it was so though we did coax the Japanese, I mean, we cut off their oil supply and, you know, we did uh, force them into the war because we want we wanted to go into the war because we needed Mm -hmm. to get out of the depression. That was the yeah. only way to get yeah, out of we, that's how we created depression. all the, the jobs. And yeah, all, all basically all the jobs became like working to right. create things for the war, yeah. which got us out of the depression we were in. Exactly. But yeah, it was it was really interesting to, to see the story of how that plane came to be mm-hmm. to, to, to see because it's all, it's all based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wind Rises is. Yeah. And and, just and to Jiro. Know th- yeah. Jiro Hirokoshi's life. And in essence, it is a beautiful looking plane. It's like the design yeah. is insane. It's mm-hmm. there. They really push the boundaries of technology with that design of airplane, because at the time, you know, Japan was struggling to find a worthy fighter plane to help protect their bombers and mm-hmm. their their Navy, as well as their um, army and such. You know, unfortunately, they then used it to you know kill americans they used it to kill other nations too but you know we did the same thing with our you know airplanes as well and so were the germans that's unfortunately the war yeah that's the aftermath of what happens or that's what happens with war i think with miyazaki he since he is a pacifist and you know he's he's trying to give us a warning that we can't let this happen and I, i think that's definitely evident um and also it's, uh, you know, with Nausicaa, starting with Nausicaa, has a very human humanitarian message to it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like this very pseudo amalgamation of all different cultures in what could come after a nuclear holocaust, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some beauty in that respect, but there's also a sadness, too, because these people don't really have anything, but some do. You know the have and the have nots. Yep. Um, well, the elites, and the rich, and the the rich and the poor. Right, and basically. we see that between the I think it's the Tremerlians. Oh to- <laughs> the no, night no, people. no, Tomikia. Tomikia is the the nation that attacks the Valley of the Wind. Even after a post apocalyptic event, they're still warring nations. It's like that. Yep. You know, sin will always be in man. Yeah, and I think it's also that human beings have such a complex that we're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. We're especially if you get power. Yeah, you just want more power. Right. Watching, we're watching uh, uh, the the dictator. Yeah, was the dictator? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. The watching the dictator. I mean, there's a great example of it when you he, you know he was at the top and he's like, oh, you know, we're good. and then he's like has his little nephew controlling the city turning the lights on it's like oh more and more and more power it's like that it it sounds cliche but it's like that evil maniacal Ooh, i want all the power well it's a very immature way to view the world too it's that whole they haven't grown up they haven't matured and i think it's like you know if you do mature and you do see the world and learn to understand the world you know even rick steve says go travel and meet people and go see the world because you have a better understanding of what your own place is in the world and also mm. it's it's a big world and and there's a lot of people in it and we got to learn to work with it's them. a great big universe and it's a lot it's quoting rob there I was, yeah. I was quoting rob there i also thought what was interesting they kind of predicted in a weird way they also kind of predicted the use of masks 
to this day because of <laughs> of COVID, which I was like, yeah, hey, spores, killer spores. There's a you know nuclear, it's like nuclear fallout, I guess. But the spores are taking over the world, and it's almost like a virus. Oh, sounds kind of like COVID. Oh, they had cooler masks though. They did. They did actually. I, they kind of looked more steampunk esque. So. Yeah, I want to be like one of those knights, like in the full on knight thing with the mask on. And come on, that was pretty cool. Why do they have this like uh, mix of like pikes and spears and then and swords then automatic and weapons. then automatic <laughs> machine guns and stuff? Like where did that come? But because it is a post apocalyptic world, they would use, I think anything they could get their hands on and it could just be left over from, you know, other societies that were there before them and, or passed down through generations and stuff. Cause you know, they make the swords kind of uh, out of anything, any materials that they could find in the world. I mean, and that's what you would do if, you know, the worst happens and you don't have a grocery store or, uh, you know, you don't have a place to get your weapons. No at. Super Walmart. There, there's no, no Walmart. weapons are us anymore. So, you know, <laughs> but well, another another thing that we <laughs> talked about and you kind of t- uh, touched on it earlier was how it influenced so many, you know, other projects. And we were yeah. talking about the Knights were basically the stormtroopers. Yeah. And then the other group were the rebels because they, they literally looked like rebels. Well, Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars came out before this. So I think yeah. Miyazaki was trying to do his kind of epic in a way, uh, because he wrote the manga first of Nausicaa, mm-hmm. and then yep. he went on to direct the feature film. Because at the time, he started out in uh, as a, a, a in-between animation artist at Toei Animation, and then uh, formed Studio Ghibli, uh, or Ghibli, um, after uh, he directed Nausicaa, the, the Valley of the Wind. And mm-hmm. He really probably was influenced by a lot of Western culture because Japan was getting a lot of Western culture influence after World War II. And whether that changed, you know, there was certain factions that wanted to stay in the past, you know, maintain their culture through their samurai viewpoint and keep certain traditions alive still. But then another, the more modern, um, generation that came up after like that kind of basically were born in the war during the war and then grew up through the war and saw the aftermath they kind of adapted more of the western culture because they saw what their parents went through during the war and wanted to kind of move on from it and embrace more of other cultures and embrace more of the world that was open Mm -hmm. up to them that influence of Lucas, I see that in George Lucas. I see that in Hayao Miyazaki, and especially in Nausicaa, because it's, as you said, the stormtroopers are basically the knights, and the rebels are are the people of the Valley of the Wind. So yeah, <laughs> you know, and 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 they don't try to hide it, like the design. And then of course the princess looks like Mega Man, as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. We had some great conversations it, about that character. Yeah, it's it's it, it's the forerunner of Mega Man. <laughs> they yeah, thanks Nintendo. So <laughs> yeah, very cool Nintendo, very cool, very cool. But, but and, and then another thing that we were you were mentioning earlier about you know films that were influenced things like that one that i attributed it to was how to train your dragon yeah because 
you have the you know the people that are not the, not in the valley of the wind that are like oh these monsters are evil no 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 we can't we can't be friends with them of course and you have the prince it's like no wait and that's hiccup of course you know and, and then like, somehow has good. some uh special ability that allows him to or her to commune with nature yeah and then you have her useless pet that does nothing <laughs> but look cool <laughs> that looks kind of like jolteon or evie from pokemon but you know <laughs> It, it's it's there as a centerpiece uh trevor so yeah it, it, but it doesn't do anything the whole time <laughs> it just goes it just bites her finger at the beginning and then it's like oh okay you're just here yeah. to sell toys and basically yeah <laughs> literally i mean by the merchandising end, merchandising where, you know yeah you were telling me you're like oh yeah i'm pretty sure there's a part where like it does like some super cool like powers i was hoping stuff. i was i kind of vaguely remember like i because it was it's been so long since i had seen it and i'm like Oh, well, I'm sure there's a point to having this character in here. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Spoiler there is no point. There is no point, it's guys. Uh, it's, it's cute. It, it's cute, though. That's about it. It's, it's, it. It looks good on her shoulder. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. You know, despite all the kind of setup that Nausicaa has done for other films, it also draws upon some of the um, sci-fi at the time, Dune, mm-hmm really i i see a heavy influence of frank herbert's dune in this film because look at the design of the ohms the ohms look like the the worms from from dune itself and you know i think miyazaki again that shows his influence from western culture that he is taking all these things that he's reading or watching and and seeing around the world and even in the music itself you have a blending of synth and orchestral elements in there. And it sounds so eighties, man. I'm like, it's almost like a Zelda esque type, right? Has a video game feel yeah. to it. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Cause like there's certain elements that stick out more as you watch it more and stuff. So mm-hmm. this time, like I was more in tune with like more of the sound stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's sticking out like a sore thumb sort of. So uh, not so much on the wind rises though. The wind rises, it was. I felt the soundscape and the sound design and music really That's blended so wonderfully together, and nothing it's so good stood out. You know, and I I think Miyazaki really got to the point where he knew how to use those elements together and and blend the beauty of of really what we hear as children and then what we try to achieve as adults. That whole passage of time is just beautifully captured in animation in The Wind Rises. And The Wind Rises basically, uh, what's his name again? Jiro. I keep getting his name. Jiro? Jiro. Jiro. Yeah. Like Jiro like uh, Dreams of Sushi, but it's Jiro Dreams of Zeros. Jiro <laughs> basically. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh my gosh, I just caught that moment. <laughs> Jiro basically goes from living a dream to it turning into a nightmare and, yeah. by the end. It's almost like he, as a person, goes into the fantasy realm and, of you know meeting his mentor, uh, the, mm-hmm. um, I forgot the French uh, aircraft designer that he keeps meeting up with in his dreams, um, that kind of gives him guidance through his life at certain moments and helps him to then develop the design for 
one of the fastest airplanes that the Japanese military had. Um, mm. You know, I, I found it interesting that he kept going back to those dream worlds because it's him trying to escape the reality of what he's doing actually is affecting people's lives around him. And also yeah. the fact that, you know, if your wife is dying, why? I mean, I, I get people throwing themselves into work, but as part of me was like, she's she's dying like uh, through yeah, the, and, through and the she was dying of something that has no cure. Right. And he chose to really I mean, thankfully, she supported his work, but all yeah. that lost time that he could have spent instead of designing the plane, he could have spent with his wife. You know, some people have different motive, you know, different motivations for their lives and stuff. But I don't know, like his his uh, it was it, I, I caught that on this time around watching it. It was like, oh, wow. It, I mean, it's kind of it, sad, but I'm like, dude, you didn't spend you tried to spend, but not I would have just been like, well, I'll take a desk job or whatever, you know, just be there for the wife and and everything. So, yeah, and it goes, it all kind of culminates in that moment at the very end where she says, just live. Yeah. And that's what he hasn't been doing. That's when he finally realizes, like, I, like, I don't know if you, he would, you know, he realizes it's, it's wasted time because it's not wasted time. He did, he, you know, he, he completed an incredible feat, right? Creating that, that plane. But he took so much time to do it that, he lost well for her i think she was thinking that's his he's following his dream mm -hmm. and i shouldn't i mean she even the the wife just literally well actually i'm not going to spoil it i shouldn't spoil it so <laughs> because it's it's really sad what she does because yeah you know um she just feels like oh well his she dream, feels like a the burden dream, yeah it's 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 a sad thing because no, every life is sacred. You know, you need to live your life and just enjoy the time you have with your family or your loved ones and friends, loved ones. Yeah, yeah friend, loved ones. ones. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I, it has like a very sad, it ends on like a sad note. Uh, just spoilers, guys, but it does end on a sad, sad note. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but if you want more of a happy note, watch Najika. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to see like a like a Mega Man esque type uh, individual, just go ham on some things. Well, and, and also it's it's almost like a feminist um, epic heroine that just totally destroys, has superpowers, and can talk to nature and will save the world. Yeah, and before there's one thing we haven't talked about yet, yes. Elliot. <laughs> Ozu's influence yes. on the Wind Rises. Yes. See, I got you. I, I knew you, got, you wanted yeah, to bring okay. that up. I, I forgot to bring this up, but... I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, so the, with The Wind Rises, Miyazaki, in multiple shots throughout the film, especially when he sets up the shots of Jiro at home in his house and everything, and also how he builds his characters, has a very Yasujiro Ozu vibe to it. And the framing is exactly like Ozu. And the just with shots, just with the just shots. with color, all the T shots, um, it's just with color and 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 it's animated. <laughs> We're talking about animation that almost looks like live action at at some points, mm -hmm. especially how he does the watercolored skies 
Oh my god. And it's just it's it's well, just that's beautiful. What I love. It's like a just a beautiful painting that Miyazaki paints with through animation. And that's the ultimate stamp of an auteur director. And yeah, I think I, Miyazaki really carves that out for himself throughout his career. I think you nailed it. One thing, the big, one of the biggest things I noticed about The Wind Rises is that it's basically like the characters are on a canvas, mm-hmm. but they're moving across the canvas while the canvas stays to whatever it's been painted for that scene. Right. Kind of like what Ozu did, right? He would set the camera down mm-hmm. and let people just live in the space. Right. With The Wind Rises... They're living in the space, but it's a totally different medium in a totally different way. And it's beautiful. But they're it's being absolutely. thrown around by the elements that are mm-hmm. in the space around them that they're confined to in the cell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, very, yeah. And Ozu really started that whole movement. And I think it just trickles down into Miyazaki because I don't see much of Kurosawa influence in Miyazaki's work, except possibly in Princess Mononoke because it's an action epic. Um, and it had a very Western culture vibe and, and Kurosawa really tried to, de- uh, push Japanese cinema into the Western markets. Ozu was more of a indie, like I'm going to stick to very traditional framing and shot style and character development, but talk about issues that Japan itself is going through internally. And Miyazaki then just kind of took that and expanded on it. But, you know, Miyazaki's like kind of like the modern anime uh, auteur director that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I have not seen, you know, like there haven't been many directors like Miyazaki that have come out in the past century that really have a strong voice on the issues that they want to tackle during their lifetime and what we should be talking about and what we should be addressing. Yeah. And I, I think that just leads us to one of the biggest things. I think we both learned about this is just go outside, get some fresh air be thankful for another day on this Mm -hmm. earth. And Take care of yourself and also the planet that we call home. Yeah, pretty much. That's what what Miyazaki would say, I do believe. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.